Welcome to Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. I'm Greg Johnson with Sustana Fiber. And as always, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Dr. Marta Pazos. Hi, Greg. So, Marta, did you know that Amazon has reduced their packaging by over 30%? It's proof that many more companies are finally realizing that they can help save the environment and save money, too, by optimizing their packaging efficiencies. That's why we couldn't be more thrilled by our guest today, Dr. Jay Singh a nationally recognized packaging educator, researcher, consultant, as well as the former packaging program director at Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California, where he still teaches. During our conversation today, we'll chat with Jay about some of the key packaging issues he's involved with, both in the classroom and in the marketplace, impacting our environment. Jay, it's great to see you and thank you for visiting with us today. My pleasure, uh, uh, Greg and Marta. Jay, um, it's, it's kind of surprising to me that despite the U.S. consuming more than 30 to 40 percent of the world's $1 trillion worth of packaging, there aren't more leading U.S. colleges and universities like Cal Poly that offer any sort of packaging curriculum. What do you think are some of the reasons for this? And also, do you think that the situation could potentially harm America's future economic prospects? You know, that's, that's a great question, Greg. Um, you look at paper and paperboard, for example. Um, we are consuming, uh, you know, we are about, about 23% of China's population. We are consuming 19% of the global paper and paperboard. China's consuming 39%. So it is... Uh, if you look at per capita, it is a very uh, uh, serious uh, situation, and that's reflective of our consumerist, uh, com- consumerism. You know, I, I talk to my students all the time about this, and uh, I, you know, I pose the question, why are we consuming more paper or plastic or glass or metal? And uh, they are unable to answer, and, and the basic answer is because we can, uh, because we have multiple places to go and buy that one product that we want. So we are using way too much, um, and uh, you know, with, with single-use plastic on the forefront today, you know, if you look at our numbers, we are second largest consumer of single-use plastic. And if you look at China, it's uh, very low on that, or India, the two most popular countries in the world. I absolutely loved when you say, well, why do we have more packaging per capita than most other nations, right? Because we can I always say, and I think, Greg, you've heard me this before, people do, but they do for one single reason, because we can. There's a, a school of thought that, that uh, compostable packaging trend that we're seeing all across North America and the world soon may not be so trendy. I know that recyclers are experiencing bottlenecks, separating bioplastic from traditional plastic. And there's a lot of scientists, I know you know this, Marta, we've talked about this a lot, who are really concerned about the PFAS or the forever chemicals that are developing in some of the compost derived from packaging that's used to grow food crops. Jay, what's your take on compostable packaging? And also, do you believe that we will be able to discover some safer alternatives, uh, coding alternatives that we can use to at least help minimize the PFAS problem? 
you know, I, I call compostable packaging romance packaging. It's not not what Amazon likes to call. They have a different definition of uh, romance packaging. That's you know, package romancing the con- consumer at the retail aisle. But this is more of a ro- romantic concept. It's uh, let's do anything but plastic, and we are going to be in a better place. Um, so it, it's uh, um, you know, moving um, moving the goalpost on plastics. You know, plastics. Yes, it is. It is fraught with a lot of issues. Uh, mostly are uh, from our needs and wants perspective. We are using way too much, and we are not, you know, uh, as a, a society, um, as respectful of uh, uh, the end of life treatments. So there is no one size fits all. Um, compostable packaging falls in that bracket where you would love to get something that says compostable on it instead of something that's plastic or something that you feel is overpackaged or not the right material. Um, the main goal of compostable packaging is, uh, or compostable anything, is to produce nutrient-rich soil for agriculture. Sweden went to re- reusable plastic containers for fruit and vegetables, what, about a decade ago. In uh, 2021, July-ish, uh, Denmark enforced uh, regulations, uh, statewide or countrywide, that limited PFAS content in all packaging. What happened with that, almost uh, immediately they saw PFAS content of food packaging across, you know, even larger companies like McDonald's. This actually cited the McDonald's example there, which has been struggling with um, the switchover in 2019 or so from plastic to paper, and that paper does not really recycle or uh, compost. Um, so it, it, a lot of lot of uh, major um, food service, uh, um, uh, quick service restaurant type of uh, Avenues are switching over to something that's better than a PFAS-driven solution. What do I see in the future? Um, paper is a great material. You know, maybe uh, the fibers could be denser. Maybe they could be compacted closer, so they have a little more resistance to moisture. Uh, most of uh, uh, the alternatives to PFAS are secretive, right? They, they provide some. Uh, article about, you know, what a miraculous uh, alternative they have, but nobody's really stating what exactly it is. Uh, Most of what I think it is, is, you know, some silicones or clays or waxes or even bio-based plastics like PLA, starch. So there are some possibilities. I'm not sure what currently is being used as an alternative. The composting situation in the U.S., and we're not talking about those very easy to change countries like the Scandinavian countries where, you know, you can change the, the direction, the, the side of the road where you drive overnight and they're fine with it. They did that, by the way, in Sweden, um, where there, you know, we can't, because we can't do that, um, we need, we need to put in infrastructure before we actually start rolling out a new uh, a new policy, right? That's the thing I like. You know, so that's gonna push people to come up with solutions. There are great solutions. Uh, you know, I, I had my first class yesterday, and I asked my students, "Is there a perfect package right now?" And nobody could answer it. Uh, and thankfully, they didn't, because there is no perfect package. If there's a perfect package with the limited resources and materials right now, five minutes later, that's not going to be true. So. It's forcing us to find alternatives, 
But as you said, Marta, you know, it, it's not advisable to leap before you jump. And we are being asked to leap. Jay, um, one of your colleagues, your, one of your good colleagues, Claire Sand, wrote an article in the most recent edition, the March 2023 edition of Food Technology Magazine, talking about lightweighting packaging to, to minimize packaging by lightening the, the weight of the paper and some other components of a package to help conserve our renewable and recyclable resources like paper. Um, that being said, I know we've all seen packages that have been flimsy and have done more harm than good. Um, what do packaging engineers do to maintain a balance between a packaging's integrity and also to promote sustainability? Yeah, I go back to my original, you know, the, the original question of, you know, how misunderstood packaging is. If you're not able to protect the product or sell the product, which is perishable, guess what? You know, 90% or so of your energy that went into creating that product and moving it around has disappeared. Everybody else thinks, uh, you know, that 90% is from you know, a handful of studies that I have uh, either personally worked on or read where if you look at the big pie, uh, about 10% is the environmental burden of packaging. I asked the same question my first day of class yesterday, and I, I drew up a pie chart, and I said, this is 10%. Is it product or packaging? About 90% of the students said that's a pro uh, product. Product has 10% footprint. Packaging has 90%. <laughs> so the, uh, the point here I'm trying to drive at is, a functional package that is able to protect a product is actually saving that 90% investment. And, and uh, guess what? If, if uh, that product fails, it is not saleable, a consumer doesn't like it, guess what? They're not going to start consuming, stop consuming it. The demand's still there. So you'll have to reinvest 90%, add another 10% with packaging. Why not do it optimally in the beginning? So uh, uh, without... You know, functionality, which, uh, you know, includes permeability for perishable products or protection for, you know, distribution through shocks and vibrations. Those are all uh, the top of my list. I would not lightweight if I was the decision maker and being forced to lightweight stuff at the risk of making the package, uh, package less functional. I would definitely not say, you know, approve that. Now, you know, moving into a, a circular economy is not going to be possible without doing it right the first time. That's saving all kinds of resources for us. Um, and why not do it right the first time around? Let's also not forget the element of cost. Everybody wants to save the world, but nobody wants to pick out the tax. Yep. And that's what, again, going back to the, you know, the industry is so siloed. The procurement folks want to show savings. And they go, we're going to buy you less material. Hey, packaging team, go and make your perfect package. So it, it's uh, you know, the communication barrier uh, of understanding between these siloed departments within industry are, are what's causing it. It's you know, lack of understanding. But like you said, though, Jay, if, if you forget or, or don't pay attention enough to the the primary purpose of a package to to protect the product. Exactly. You're kind of on thin ice, really, yeah. right? 
Yeah, nothing else matters then if you can't protect. Yeah. Jay, what, what do you what do you think of the development? I was just recently reading about a lot of retailers like Walmart that are using machines um, to custom make boxes on their premises to reduce the amount of cardboard. You know, we we've all gotten packages, especially during the pandemic, where we'd order something um, that would come in a giant box, and uh, the product was really really small. Right. Um, but don't you think that's a step in the right direction to to help conserve resources and, and minimize cost all the way around for not only businesses but also consumers? Definitely, and, and you know, I I, I empathize with uh, uh, the e-commerce company. That's where majority of this overpackaging, which is getting less now. You know, we're not getting as many big boxes with small products. But you think uh, think about you know how many tens of millions of SKUs they have or products that they sell online. And we are never ordering the same, you know, 10 of something. We're ordering one of this and two of that and three of that. They have to get the the volume bound and then the perfect fit the box, the closest size box that would be used. That's where those customized boxes are playing a role. Um, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction, but it's way too slow for right now to meet up sure. with the demand, you know, extra even 30 seconds to make that box is 30 seconds lost. Yeah, I, I read that one of the machines can produce, I think it's upwards of 600 boxes an hour, which sounds like a lot, but yes. not when you're talking about a giant mass merchandiser like right, Costco right. Or, or Target or Walmart. Yeah, no, and you know, companies like Amazon, definitely they have you know seen this coming and they had to. With uh, the ships in own container, you know, now you know, I just ordered something the other day and it said, much smaller than it was a flexible uh, bag. You know the the product was not perishable, uh, so they they it said less material than our smallest box, oh. right? So unfortunately, that's going to be under the gun as well. It, 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 the single use plastics, you know, the void fill, the the uh, air pillows that protect the product during shipment, or uh, these bags. These are all single use plastics. So we are basically going to increase the volume of the package. You know, if you don't use flexibles, you use rigid. Sure. The envelope is bigger, you know, the, the physical volume is bigger, you ship less. So sustainability-wise, I think it's a step in the wrong direction. I'm not saying plastic or any other packaging is perfect. There's always room for improvement, but you can't cross the board, say, you know, reduce 25%. It needs to be categorized. And that's that's the, uh, the, the nuisance about or, or nuance about this, these mandates is they are fuzzy. They don't come out and say exactly what they want. Jay, why are they fuzzy? Is that because the people drafting the the rules or regulations aren't experts, or are they trying to just be general in the sense that they don't want to squash any industries and and possibly harm? I, I think it's I think it's uh, two reasons. I think of that. One is. If you just go by the industry sector and you qualify and quantify every product category, that's way too much, right? They'll need, uh, uh, you know, thousands of pages with a table that shows your product falls in this range. Uh, secondly, I don't think these uh, policymakers understand what's happening. But, you know, having said that, I think the generations that are here and come are getting more and more aware because they're being born with this discussion going around them. Right, our generations, it was an afterthought. You know, we are from the recycling generation, and these guys are from you know the entering the closed loop generation. 
So they are going to question more, you know, the, the, the resale of products. That's a huge industry now. Old clothing or, you know, branded products, uh, resell. That was not for us, at least for my personal generation, my people I know. They did not want, want to buy used clothes because that was like, that meant they were poor, right? Oh, But exactly. now this generation or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's and, a hand-me-down. Well, like a hand-me-down kind of. Yeah. And Marta, you, you probably remember remember this. Jay, we've had several guests, previous guests on our podcast who have said that they really try to buy all their, their clothing at thrift stores now. Um, and and it's, it's really kind of amazing um, how what once was considered almost like taboo in a consumer sense is, is now kind of flaunted. Like, yeah, I shop right. at a thrift store. Right. It's considered cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a badge yeah. of honor. Like, I will continue to remember. And, you know, one of the things that I love the most about doing this podcast is how much we learn from our guests, like we are today. And I still remember this guest of ours saying, the most sustainable piece of clothing is the one that is already made. That's a great point, Marta. And Jay, I wanted to ask you this. Um, I I know back in December of uh, this past year, 2022, you teamed up uh, with your alma mater's Matt Dom, the director of Michigan State University's School of Packaging, to co-found an organization called the Daksha Packaging Group. Can you tell us about Daksha and, and what your organization does? So the idea came about when Matt uh, joined Michigan State and we had been, you know, we are sort of a, a similar, uh, work on similar wavelength. So I, I pitched the idea of, you know, I've been thinking about why don't we become the business, you know, get in the business matchmaking uh, and pair up these uh, law firms who are looking for an expert with the right expert. So that's that's the gist of uh, Daksha Packaging Group. We are in the business of uh, pairing the right client with the right expert. We have uh, experts uh, which are very broadly qualified from distribution logistics to uh, uh, intellectual property to anti-counterfeit, medical healthcare, you name it. Um, that's what me and Matt have in common. We are uh, both in the academic world, and we are very connected with the industry. And uh, we can find the right expert who has a PhD after the name, after their name, or someone who's got an equivalent amount of experience, or even better, uh, practical experience than a PhD. So our our motivation here was let's give the best packaging expert to the client. That will help uh, help them out with whatever the case is or whatever the topic uh, that needs to be explored by an expert is. And uh, we matchmake and, and uh, bill our clients. So we, we uh, so our, our experts get paid through us and the clients pay us uh, to pay their experts. Well, Jay, as we wrap up our discussion with you today, I, I just wanted to uh, thank you. It's It's been great, but... I wanted to ask you what you do in your your personal everyday life to help the environment. Oh, you know, think about sustainability. This is a daily thing. Um, very importantly, though, you know, I, I do uh, try to educate my acquaintances and immediate family. Um, you know, I, I try to tell my wife, hey, you know, average uh, 
U.S. household is throwing away 40% of the product that they bought at the store. And she doesn't believe me. And I, I, oh. you're, ta- you're talking about food waste. Yeah, food waste, but that's the impacting related. Yeah. Again, that's the 90% of energy that went where. Yep, yeah. you're throwing the entire thing, right, right. probably, right? right? You're not keeping the package. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I try to educate uh, people closest to me. I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I'm in distribution, right? That's my expertise. Core expertise is the distribution of packaged products. So going back to your previous question on functionality, trumping, uh, sustainability or lightweighting, and that's my major goal is I, I validate product package systems for any kind of uh, distribution strategy in my labs. And that to me is the best sustainable way of looking at things. Well, Jay, thank you for all your, your insights today. We, we really are grateful. Um, I think our audience will really enjoy the show and um, we wish you continued success in the packaging world. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in today. And we hope you'll join us again for a new episode of Pulp Nonfiction, the Paper and Packaging Podcast. In the meantime, please be sure to visit sustanafiber.com for more information on all our recycled fiber products for your sustainable paper and packaging needs. Thanks again. Remember to recycle, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>